We bless you. We, we, we bring ourselves before you in, in humble spirit, Lord God. We come to you humble of heart, Lord, and we honor you and we bless you. That's, we can't find enough words to say to describe your greatness, but you are glorious and you are mighty and you are powerful and you are kind and you are loving and you are all things good. All things good. Lord, we bless your name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We can't thank you enough. Father, thank you, thank you. Thank you for brand new mercy each and every day, Lord. Every single day, every single day, we see a mercy that we've never seen before. And we bless your name for that, God. We honor you. We lift your name. We lift your name. We lift your name because it's where it belongs, Father. We put you above everything in our lives. We put you above every circumstance, every feeling, every emotion, Lord, every idea. And we cast down, Lord God, everything in our minds and in our hearts that is not like you, Father God. Every uh, suggestion, Lord, we cast it down in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, thank you for your name. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you, Lord, for being our help. Thank you, Lord, for being our rescuer, our comforter, Lord God. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being everything to us, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you are always and forever true to yourself, Father. You never have to pretend, Lord. You never have to prove anything to anybody, Father, because you are secure in who you are. You're secure in your greatness. You're secure in your power, Lord God. You're secure, you're secure, you're secure. And we thank you, thank you, thank you that we can lean into your security, Father. We can lean into it, Lord. We can depend on it, Father God. We can trust in it. We can rely on it, Lord God. Thank you, thank you, thank you that we can live in it, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Forgive us, Father, for the times that we didn't trust you. Forgive us, Lord, for the times that we disobeyed you. Forgive us, Father. Forgive us, Lord, for the times that we forgot our foundation, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for never turning your back on us, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that even when we walked away, you didn't, Father. Thank you that you came and got us, Lord, from where we were. You came and found us, Lord. You came and found me. 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 When I walked away, you came and found me, Lord. When I turned my back, you came and found me, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. When I disregarded your word, Lord, you were there. You were right there, and I thank you. Thank you that you don't treat us the way we've treated you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We bless your holy name because it is holy, God. You are holy. You are holy. And we honor you and we bless you, Father. We bless your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. We, we give you, Lord, permission, Father. You don't need it, but we yield to you, Lord. We yield, we yield, we yield, we yield, not just this atmosphere, but our hearts, our lives, our homes, our circumstances. We yield it all to you, Father. In Jesus' name, we bless you and we honor you. We are grateful, we're grateful, we're grateful, we're grateful, Lord, we're grateful. Thank you, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Bless your name, bless your name, bless your name, Jesus. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. Can you raise your hand if you have had a victory this week? Now, everybody's hand is not up, and that's okay. Nothing wrong with that. 
nothing wrong with it. The reason I say that is because sometimes we have to wait our turn for our victory, right? But one thing is just the fact that there are other people in this room who had their hand up, that's something that you can celebrate. If you're still waiting on yours, that's okay. Because when your hand goes up, guess what? We're gonna celebrate with you too. And when one of us has a victory, that is enough for us to know that God is still performing miracles for somebody somewhere. It just because yours hasn't happened yet, it doesn't mean that he has stopped. It's coming. It's coming. So would you, if you have two or three words can, and you're comfortable, just one person, if you're comfortable, can you shout out one of your victories? Because see, when we hear, that causes us to believe, that causes us to have hope. If you can even hear of somebody else's victory. I know that, that at times that's gotten me through because I know he's at least working stuff out for somebody else. That means he's still working. He's still doing it. And sooner or later, it's going to be your turn. But you can still celebrate for somebody else because celebrating somebody else's victory can give you strength. It can strengthen you. It can strengthen your faith. It can lift your heart. And before you know it, you've forgotten about the thing that you're waiting on because you're so busy celebrating somebody else's victory. We've had, as a collective, we've had a major victory this week. And we're going to celebrate that this morning because we know every victory comes from... Every victory comes from Jesus. It comes from above. It comes from the... Every victory is his. We just get to benefit from it because he's the one doing the heavy lifting. Our part is to believe it and to magnify him and praise him until it happens and live as if we believe it before we see it. That's our job. We're not supposed to be trying to fix it because we can't. Every victory is his. And we're gonna declare that this morning. And we're gonna celebrate the victories of the hands that were raised, but we're also going to celebrate in advance for the hands that have not raised, been raised today. We're gonna to do that. Because we believe for it, right? We believe for future victories. We have to. What do you have to hope in if you don't believe for something that hasn't happened yet? What, what, what do, you, what do you, what's the point? We gotta keep going, we gotta keep believing. And in the meantime, we rejoice with those that do rejoice. Just like we mourn with those who mourn, we gotta rejoice with them that do rejoice. Because every time you worship and you praise God for somebody else's, you're also doing it for yourself. You don't realize it, but you're doing it for yourself. You're just depositing, you're depositing, you're depositing, you're depositing, you're depositing. And so that's what we want to get ourselves into the habit of doing if we're not already. Do it at home, do it in the car, do it at work, whatever. If, if it comes to your mind to thank God, just let it out. And I'm not telling you to go in the middle of the Walmart and have a Holy Ghost fit, but if it hits you in the middle of the Walmart, they just gonna have to take that good praise. Okay, you just you just gonna have to you gonna have to eat that because I'm grateful. I'm grateful. 
and he doesn't, God doesn't wait for us to get to church to do things for us. He doesn't wait for us. No, he does it all throughout the week. He does it anytime. So that's why he's worthy anytime. That's why he's worthy all the time. Because even when we don't know he's doing it, he's doing something. Even when it doesn't feel like he's doing something, he's doing something. It just has to, we just have to wait for our time for, it to, for him to manifest it in our lives. But it's already done in the realm of the spirit. That realm is more real than the one we live in. It's already done there. So we're just responding. We're just responding. We're just responding. And the song that we're going to sing says, every victory is yours. That's because it already belongs to him. It's his. So we ain't doing nothing but declaring the truth, y'all. We ain't doing nothing but declaring the truth. So will you sing that with us today? Every victory is yours. You just let me ride in it. Every victory is yours. You just let me walk in it. But that's, that's gracious enough. That's generous enough. You let me benefit from the work you did. We are grateful. We're grateful. And it is through the name of Jesus that we have the victory. It is through the name of Jesus. So we're going to lift up that name today. Y'all ready? All right. Let's have it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. We will lift our eyes. We won't fear the there is one who's stronger. Hard pressed on each side, we will not lose sight of the one who's greater. One name, one Glorify your name. We bless your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. 
shut the mouth of the enemy this morning. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, Jesus. We lift your name because you are worthy. Hallelujah. 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 Every victory is yours. Every victory is yours. You rose. You reign. Death is buried in the grave.
not worry about being dignified. You got to just let it out. Just let it out. Come on, you got another shot. Come on.
today. Jesus, it's all about you. Your name, your name, your name, the name above all names. Above sickness, above disease, above cancer, above addiction, above hopelessness, above circumstance, above situation, above pain, above hopelessness, above things seen and unseen today. Jesus, you are the miracle maker. You shape and change waves. You're moving behind stone walls, Lord God. Times we can't see, you're moving. You're making a way where there is no way. You're making streams in the desert, Lord God. Daddy, may that be so in people's lives today, in people's hearts today, in our spirit today. Make streams rise up in the desert. Let joy spring anew. Let faith arise, Lord God. Let faith arise. Let our enemies be scattered. We proclaim that no weapon formed against your people shall prosper. Not because your people are good enough, but because you are good enough, Daddy. You are awesome. Come and move. 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 You know, church, today, Shayla had asked us before we started if anybody had a breakthrough for them to raise their hand and and many people raised their hand this week and some of us didn't and some of us like myself stood with one hand up and one hand down because we saw breakthroughs in some things and we still face battles in others and if you're in that place today where you maybe have one hand up and one hand down or maybe you're even struggling to put any hand up today I'm gonna pray right now we're gonna pray together in faith I'm asking you if you if you if you had your hand down but you're believing for a breakthrough this week to raise it up to raise it up to raise it up just as a sign to say God I trust you daddy I'm gonna exchange it my hand into your hand I'm gonna take the pressure off I'm gonna sit back and believe in faith I'm going to stop rowing at the oars with everything I've got in the middle of my storm. And I see you walking on the water. And I know you're on the way. And I know there will be a moment when you speak to my storm. And I know there will be a moment when the waves cease and the winds stop, Lord God. And you will walk in and step into our boat, Lord God. I believe today, Holy Spirit, that you're going to do what only you can do and make a way where there is no way. You are the miracle-working God. You're the same yesterday, today and forevermore if you did it for Lazarus and you raised him from the dead you can do it for us if you spoke to the blind man and he could see you actually touched the deaf and they could hear if you cast out the possessed and they were set free you did it before you can do it again same God then same God now that's the faith that we proclaim not because we're the same daddy because we're not We're broken and messed up. And we know without your mercy, we deserve nothing. But because of your mercy and grace, we can believe for you to move in everything. So, Daddy, we pray what you taught us to pray. Let your kingdom come. Let him come, Daddy. Let it come. Let the walls of the enemy fall. Let darkness be scattered. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in your way 
through your word in your time for your glory in Jesus name we stand we pray and we say amen and amen come on can we give them a praise for the victories that are on their way hallelujah Lord God we're gonna praise you before they come in the name of Jesus thank you Lord hallelujah oh yes I love what we just prayed I love what we just prayed there as we worship because I tell you all the time that worship is prayer just to a beat but when you proclaim that he is the one who's in the midst of your battles he's in the one who's over your storm there's power in that because sometimes we have to remind our soul that what we're feeling come on our feelings how many would look our feelings are always real they're just not always true you you do feel alone at times I feel alone at times anyone else ever feel lonely at times you feel alone but the word says I'll never leave you I'll never forsake you the truth is he's always there I feel ashamed, I feel condemned at times because I'm not as good as I should be. I'm not where I would want to be. I, anyone, anyone, anyone. Yet the word says there's no condemnation in Jesus. See, I can feel one way, but truth is something different. That's why, you, that's why when we worship, it's so important. That even, not just on a Sunday morning, this should be an overflow, but during the week, man, when we're going through the storms, we put on worship because worship speaks truth to our soul. I had one hand up this week, and I could praise God for the victories that I saw him do this week. But I had one hand down, and I needed to praise him, even though those didn't come through yet. 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 Faith says it is so, even when it's not so, so that it can be so. Be so. We are not a people of religion. We are men and women of faith. And faith is not based on our goodness. It's based on His. We will never be good enough. He always is. Woo! I don't know about you, but I can do this now. Woo! Ah, I don't have to be good enough, but He is. Well, I'm so glad you're here today. I'm so glad you're here. Hey, give yourselves a hand for actually being here on Labor Day weekend. Everyone else down the shore, basking in the sun. You basking in the real sun. Oh, Pastor's being corny now. I know, it's a pastorism. It's all good. I'm so glad you are here. Hey, we do want to give a shout out to everybody who is down the shore. We love you guys no matter where you are. We're really glad you're getting to enjoy the last weekend of summer. And I hope you're uh, 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 just not only tuning in, but participate while you're there as well because there's some look the same God that is here in this place is the same God that is there in your hotel room or your beach house or your hospital room come on because we know our God is not confined by time or space our God is a God who manifests himself where there is praise and people who seek him so I'm so glad that you're here look uh, thank you thank you for coming out kiddos you guys can head out with Pastor Kevin. Can you guys in the side over there? Can you guys give our kids a hand as they're going? We love you guys. I know you're heading back to school this week. Go ahead, go in faith and power. Gonna be awesome. As you're being seated, give somebody next to you a high five. Tell them it's great to see them today. So good. So good, so good, so good.
Hey, before uh, we go any further, I just want to say, look, if you are a guest today, welcome. Thank you for being a guest here at Connect. It's great to have you uh, be a part of this with us on this Sunday, on the last Sunday of summer. It's crazy. I know it's not technically the last Sunday of summer, but if you live in Jersey or Philadelphia, you know this is the last weekend of summer. And, uh, and it's so good to have you. Look, there's a, there's a QR code up there on the screens. Check it out. The, co- the code's all over the building. But it just lets you know a little bit more about us. We would love to know a little bit more about you as well uh, because your story matters to us. You matter to us. Uh, And that's what church is. It's about learning to live life well together. I want to give you just three quick updates um, really quickly before we hop into the Word. Um, Just as we... Head into fall because I love new beginnings. I, I, love, I love the transition of seasons. First of all, because it's football season right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you. College football started yesterday. I was like, yes, I had the shakes. Awesome. But I love, I, love, I, love, I love the fall because it's a, uh, like right now there's a transition and, and, and we start to think about new things. We're transitioning out of summer and relaxation and all those things. And we're starting to think about something new. And, and I want to really encourage you as we step into this uh, new, new, uh, new year to consider, first and foremost, to be a part of uh, our men and women's discipleship groups. They're called Fours and Shoulder to Shoulder, um, and they will, re- they will relaunch next Monday, the 11th. And uh, you can sign up just by going to that QR code at any time this week, anytime, and just hop in. Because Christianity is not a decision to be saved It's a decision to be a disciple of the Savior. Salvation is a result of connecting with Him. But the decision of a Christian is to actually become a disciple of Jesus. And these are the places that we do that in fours and shoulders to shoulders. So we'll start, kick off anew uh, on the 11th. You'll be a part of that. As well as something that's essential here at Connect. To to know who we are is that we have a ministry called Thy Kingdom Crumb. It's TKC. It's our food truck ministry that we take the food we take food out into our communities uh, every week and just give it away for free Um, because we love people. We want people to see feel uh, seen and valued and loved. And in order to do that, we need support to be able to do that. And so coming up on October 21st is our second annual Crumb Run. And uh, it was so much fun last time. Last year was a blast. And it's only a 5K. You can walk it. You, you can, you can, you know, we had people push baby carriages. We had someone push a baby carriage and come in third. That's just wrong. This year, I want to see if someone can beat this man right over here, Kevin, who won it last year, just smoked it. It was like, he wouldn't even break a sweat. It was like 3.2 miles. He said, I already ran five miles before I came today. I'm like, whatever. But look, not only if you can't run, it's okay. This year, you can sponsor people who do. You can sponsor by mile, um, how many miles they do, and you can give that way as well. All the money that comes into TKC actually is part of funding what we do, we, what we, what we do as a community what we do as a church in the world. Last update I just want to give you really quickly before we hop in the Word is that last week we, passed, we prayed for Pastor Rick, uh, who is one of our pastors here on team, um, and uh, he was having surgery this week. I want to let you know the surgery went very well, uh, really, really well. Um, it was a major surgery, so he's still in the hospital today. Pastor Rick, we love you. I love you, love you, love you, love you, love you, love you so much. Uh, and uh, I know pa- uh, Pastor Kathy's there as well, and um, look, there's still some, you know, as any major surgery, there's challenges in there. So keep him and his family in prayer um, because we know, we don't just believe, we know that prayer works. We know that prayer works. Amen? Awesome. Okay, are you guys ready for the word today? 
I'm ready for the word. Why don't you, uh, since you brought your Bible, open with me to the book of Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Acts is the fifth book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. It's written by Luke, who is a disciple of Jesus. He's also a doctor. He's a phenomenal historian. And we're going to look at a verse that we looked at a little bit last week. Um, because as we've been teaching, as we've been trying to get us to understand, faith is built line upon line. It's actually not a sermon, of a, it's line upon line. That's how we build these things in our life. And so if you need a title for today's message, it's the rejection response. How do we respond to feeling rejected? Come on, how many of us have ever, you don't have to raise your hand by the way, <laughs> been dumped? Right? We've been dumped before, right? Or maybe we've been passed over for a promotion, or maybe we didn't get into our top college, or maybe that dream house you thought that you were going to get, you didn't close on, and you felt like you were rejected or overlooked by God. Maybe something deeper, some sort of deeper rejection is inside of you. Maybe you actually were rejected by a parent, rejected by a spouse. Maybe you've been ghosted by a lifelong friend who you were faithful to over the years, and you don't know why they ghosted you. They're just gone now. But see, the sense of rejection that can come in these moments can have such a loud voice that has a bullhorn speaking to our very soul, our very belief system, that you and I are not worthy. We're not good enough. You're overlooked. You're overlooked. You're overlooked. You're overlooked. And even worse than that, you're overlookable. And the danger is that in this sense of rejection that we face in our life, it has the power to cause us to respond in ways that rob us of our peace. It shatters our wholeness. It pressures us to make decisions that we wouldn't normally make that cause our spirit great distress. And I think maybe the greatest danger in these moments when we're feeling overlooked and feeling, anybody ever feel rejected? Anyone ever feel over? Say this is for me, because I know this is for me. The greatest danger in these times of seeming rejection is that we often project the rejection that we're feeling onto God. Like, God, what did I do wrong? Why are you so mad at me? And in these moments, we forget the unconditional, the deep unconditional love that God has towards us. And the sense of rejection becomes an identity of being the rejected. The sense of rejection inside of us works its way deep into our soul. And it begins to create in us this identity of being the rejected. And it influences the way that we interact with others and even the way that we interact with God. I'm either going to prove them wrong or I always knew nothing good was going to come my way. Rejection always causes a response. In this text that we're going to see today, we're going to go back to this verse from last week where Matthias was chosen over, uh, uh, to replace Judas as one of the twelve. Uh, but we're not going to talk about him because that's great. All of us, all of us would want to talk about that. Let's talk about when things are great. I, I got chosen. I won. I got the promotion. Life is great. And that is part of the time. That is part of the time. But then there's an entire rest of our lives as we walk out things together in church, in church life, in life with God, in our marriages, with our relationship with God, where we do not feel like we've won. Like we've been 
the justice. We're going to talk about the one who wasn't chosen. His name's Justice. The one who had to face seeming rejection, not only by people, but also seemingly publicly by God himself. I don't know about you, but this would have crippled me. Like this would have really affected me deeply if I had been up for it and God chose someone else instead of me, especially very publicly. And this is what happens in our lives on a daily basis when we don't get healed. Because after all, what are our friends and coworkers going to think? When that breakthrough doesn't come in the time that you think it should come, we feel rejected. Why did you pick someone else? When we see other Christians feeling like they've been chosen by God, favored, blessed, and we are still waiting, it's so easy as a man or woman of faith to feel overlooked even by God. So the real question is how do we respond then? What should be our response and what is the danger if we don't respond correctly? Let's look at this together. Acts chapter 1 verse 21. The Bible says, Therefore it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us. Beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. When they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart, show us which one of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast the lot, and the lot fell to Matthias, so he was added to the 11 apostles. Mm. Talking about a kick in the gut. By the way, did you notice, before we even go any further, this was his second rejection? Did you notice he wasn't picked to be part of the 12 the first time around? He was there from the very, the Bible says he was there from the very beginning with all the rest of the people who were going to be picked. He wasn't picked. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if maybe we would have overlooked that slight because we would hope maybe down the road Jesus would see something in us and then maybe we could get promoted. Maybe then we could get the breakthrough. But what happens after you've done all that? You've been faithful You've been on the journey. You've done everything he's asked. And even the second time, nope, rejected, overlooked. Something happens in us. And it doesn't just happen in us. It happens between us, between us and God, between us and others. See, the issue is, I think, in our modern church world, we often allow the state of our circumstantial situation to define our spiritual station. In other words, we allow how we feel about God's actions or inactions to, towards us to dictate where we stand with him or where we believe he stands with us. We look at our circumstance and we say, God must be mad at me or God must have favored me. We look at this and say, God owes me or God abandoned me or, or how can I stop him from being mad at me or I thought I was worthy enough to receive this. I've been faithful. I've given. I've shown up. And sooner or later, you and I will feel the sense of that weight so heavy that we will walk away. We'll walk away because all the while our soul is hearing this voice. You're unworthy worthy. You're not good enough. I didn't choose you. You're overlooked. 
You're overlooked. You're overlookable. But as disciples, my friends, we must learn that moments can refine us, but they are never meant to define us. Come on, justice was seemingly rejected publicly. He was not chosen. And to make matters worse, this wasn't done in, like, it wasn't hidden. It wasn't done in some backroom deal. It was in front of everyone. Everyone at that church service knew that God chose someone else, and it wasn't him. Someone else got to be the worship leader. Someone else got to be the small group leader. Pastor walked by me, didn't even say hi. Just overlooked me. We all face these moments in our life. Can you imagine being him that morning, going to church with his family, all excited about the possibilities? His mom's like, oh, you're my boy. Dad finally says, I'm proud of you. Friend, there's a buzz with all of his friends. Bro, you're going to be the next one? You're going to be the next one. Then the lots cast and it falls on another. All of us have these moments. And if we don't, haven't had these moments, we will have these moments where someone else seemingly gets the blessing that you have been believing for and you are left sick when they are healed. You are left in lack when they get favor. Come on, somebody. When they get promoted, you're still picking up the... Go- we are going, someone else is going to become, pastor's going to say hi to them and not to me. They're going to become a leader. You're not. Come on, we're going to, we are going to have these moments and it's not going to be hidden. It's going to be public. Now, how are we going to respond in these moments matters because are we going to allow it to refine us or define us? And this is where the challenge is, the issue is in our generation because this is where our generation's view of loyalty collides with God's view, God's call to be faithful. See, in our world and in our generation today, in our vernacular, we have made those two things, loyalty and faithfulness, to be seemingly one. As if they're interchangeable. They're not. They are not even the same thing. What's interesting to me, by the way, is if you put in Google, and you say, loyalty Bible verses. Do you know what Bible verses come up? All the verses that come up are on faithfulness. But here's the key. Here's the difference. That faith, um, that loyalty is based on a two-way street. I'll be loyal to you as long as you are loyal to me. But be disloyal to me, and boy, I'm going to cut you. I'm come on, y'all too holy for me. I'm coming for you. I'm going to anonymously have a burner account and leave a comment. Mm. You're disloyal. But the reality is God is not loyal. I'm going to say it again because religion needs to be broken. God is not loyal. God is faithful. 
His reaction to us is not based on us. It is not prid pro quo. I scratch your back, you scratch mine. I'll be good to you if you are good to me. 2 Timothy 2.13 says that I will be faithful even when we are faithless because I cannot deny myself. His faithfulness is not determined by our goodness but by his. Not our nature, his nature. It's not loyalty, it's faithfulness. But when we've grown up in this culture of loyalty and disloyalty, and we begin to see God as the one being disloyal to us, it empowers us to change the rules on faithfulness back towards him. I get to change the rules because God wasn't loyal. Therefore, I can change how I view faithfulness back to him. But the truth is, I was thinking about this the other day. If I were the enemy, I'd just keep telling you, I'd, I'd highlight loyalty and disloyalty everywhere. And I would quietly cover over the power of faithfulness to the church. Because I would make the church believe that God needs to be loyal to me. Because after all, look how loyal I have been to God. What a bunch of goober heads we are. There's this moment in 1 Samuel 24, many of you may be aware of it, where David is in the cave because King Saul is chasing him down. He's hunting him down. He's trying to kill him. Do you remember this story? Because Saul views David as being disloyal to him. And so he said, you've been disloyal to me. I don't have to recognize God's anointing on your life. I know you call me brother. I know, mm, I know God, you're t- uh, but, 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 but you've been disloyal. Therefore, I can throw some spears at you. I can hunt you down. The Bible says in verse 4 that, Paul, uh, that Saul goes into the cave where David is living to relieve himself. He had to go potty. And as he's squatting there on the squatty potty, verse 4 says, David's crew says to him, God, look at, the, look at this, David, God delivered you. Saul's been disloyal. Now it's time. You can look what God has given you. And the Bible says that David crawls up behind him and cuts off a, a piece of his robe. And I get it. I get it. I get it. Because it's hard not to retaliate when someone defecates while you're trying to hibernate. I said that fast. Let me slow it down. Because it's hard not to retaliate when someone defecates while you're trying to hibernate. When you're trying to get your life together, get, have a little peace, get everything together, get things back in order, someone comes in and causes a mess in your life, come on, somebody, it's hard not to retaliate. But the Bible goes on, and David says in verse 5 and 6, I messed up. That's not who God is. That's not who I'm called to be. Verse 5 and 6 says, he comes out to Saul and says, Saul, I'm so sorry. I repent. I never should have touched the anointed of God. It doesn't matter what you've done to me because I am chosen by God. My call is to be faithful to him, not loyal to you. And so he repents. I'm not saying this was easy for David because David understood something about rejection, didn't he? His own dad rejected him. Didn't even think he was worthy enough to come to the lineup when they were going to anoint a king. His brothers reject him before the battle with Goliath. They tell him to go home. That he has no business being there. Someone like him. His, his, his son, uh, Absalom, rejects him. Causes a rebellion. 
Some of his closest friends in his whole life go with Absalom in this reject, in this rebellion, and try to kill him. But here's the difference, and here's the key for you and I. David's deepest connection was not to those who rejected him, but to the God who chose him. Our deepest connection as men and women of faith cannot be to the people we felt rejected by. It has to be to the God who has chosen us to be with him. And that's the only way that a cave moment can refine us and not define us. See, the reality is, my friends, in every moment of rejection of being overlooked, we have both a Saul and a David inside of us. A Saul that wants to hunt down those things or those people, even God, that he views as being disloyal. He's going to come out swinging. He's going to show them that he's worthy enough. You dumped the wrong guy. You dumped the wrong girl. You prom- I told you, I'm going to show you, I'm going to prove to you. Mm-hmm. We have a soul trying to get out to prove themselves. And we have a David that remembers, despite having to live in a cave, he was chosen by God. Despite the circumstantial situation, David does not forget his spiritual station. I was reminded of that this week by a good friend who, in the midst of some of the stuff we're going through, sent me a text, an email. She reminded me about 2 Corinthians 4 where Paul encourages the church at Corinth through everything they're going through, and he says, these light and momentary afflictions are preparing us for a greater eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look into the things that are seen, as as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal what's he saying yep we're going to go through it yes people are going to reject us yes it's going to there's going to be times when you're going to want to hate this life where you don't like being in the cave but god but god but my god is working it out in us a weight of eternal glory and i think the trap is many times when we feel like we failed trying to do it right over and over and over again, but we keep failing. Have you ever felt like you've been trying to do it right over and over and over and over and over again, and it still doesn't work? I think the trap in that is that when we do that, we begin then to lessen the standard to give our soul a way to feel like we can succeed. How do I lessen the standard of holiness? How do I lessen the standard of health so that I can give my soul that feels rejected, unworthy, and overlooked a chance to succeed. And we call it grace, and we call it love, and we call it, ex- and, and it's compromise. We lessen the standard. We see this in John 4, don't we, with the woman at the well. Jesus runs into a woman at the well from Samaria, who's from Samaria. She's a Samaritan, and, and uh, through this conversation, he finds out that she's been trying to do marriage right over and over and over again. She's been married five times, and now the person she's living with, she's not married to. 
She was rejected, 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 rejected. And so she lessened the standard so that she could have a chance this time to succeed. Come on. How easy is that for you and I to do the same thing? To lower the bar just low enough to where acceptance starts and rejection ends. Well, we're not lowering it all the way to the bottom, but where can I lower the bar to just where enough that I can be accepted and just low enough so that I don't feel rejected any longer? That's what she did. Matter of fact, it's even deeper than this because if you understand what, what those numbers mean, it's even crazier because five is the number of grace. Six is the number of man. It's the best that mankind can do on their own. So what happened to her in this moment? When she had got to the limit of her grace, she decided to do the very best that she could do on her own to change the rules so that she could succeed. What a trap. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God that Jesus shows up into those moments and he's not loyal. Because if he was loyal, he would have looked at her disloyalty to his word and kept walking right on by. But my God is not loyal. My God is faithful. And so even though she is unfaithful, he's faithful to her and shows up. And in this moment, she, he, he connects her not to her rejection. He connects her to his acceptance. And when the seventh man shows up, her connections to the seventh man brought acceptance and freedom and health and wholeness and holiness and joy and peace because seven is the number of completion and she became complete in him when grace ran out she tried to do what she could do on her own lessen the standard but Jesus showed up and when Jesus shows up it's our connection to him that brings completion to us that's why we need to be aware that when we are feeling rejected and overlooked and not chosen that the enemy's at work. And the scheme of the enemy is to use the temptation that we all fall into in re- when we're feeling rejected. And the scheme of the enemy is this, recency bias. Recency bias. Happens in sports all the time. People be like, LeBron's better than MJ. No, he ain't. Oh, some of you need Jesus. No. TJ Watt's better than LT. You're out of your mind. People be crazy out there. Recency bias. But we tend in our own humanity to give more weight to a recent situation than to our eternal connection. The truth is, justice is just like many of us, often seemingly overlooked, not picked. Maybe when, when we grew up, we were one of the, the people who was last picked at dodgeball. So we're used to being on the wall. We're used to being overlooked. This is a, something that we can relate to. I can relate being picked. Or maybe you were the first person picked at dodgeball. That was my story. I, I was the first person picked at dodgeball all the time. And, and see, here's the thing. Danielle, last person picked. Me, first person. We laugh about this all the time, right? She's like, yeah, you must feel good about yourself because you were the first person picked a dodgeball all the time. But here's the trap. Because now when I feel when God hasn't picked me first, now when I feel like I'm second or third or fourth or I'm still standing on the wall to get that breakthrough or that blessing and God has picked everyone else but me, Inside my soul, I start going, God, what's wrong? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with us? 
See, the reality is because of both of our backgrounds, we struggle. Danielle always expects the other shoe to drop, and so when it comes to faith and hope and vision, she's hindered. And I always kind of get thrown for a loop when the other shoe does drop because I'm used to being picked first. But neither of these things defines our special nature. Because as disciples, my friends, we need to learn seasons. Seasons. Seasons are different. But the same God is in every season. Winter is vastly different than summer. Spring is vastly different than fall. But God is the same God in all of those things to all of us. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, there's a season and a time for everything. We know that, right? That's a great song. But you have to see the rest of that verse that says, and there's a purpose to all those things. See, sometimes we understand that there's a season, but we don't understand there's a purpose in the season. There's a purpose in the season. There's a, there's a time to plant and a time to reap. There's a time to mourn and there's a time to dance. There's a time to cry and there's a time to laugh. But verse 11 says, but verse 11 says, God has made everything beautiful. Everything, all of it beautiful in its time. All of it beautiful. A few years ago, I remember, I, I even remember where we were. I was driving home. We were right, right next to Heritage Winery on 322 in Mullica Hill. Danielle looked at me and she said, uh, how you doing? I said, I am living my best life. We had three campuses. People were absolutely getting saved. The budget was unreal. It was great. Offerings were coming. It was fantastic. Since then, we've been hit by a tornado, had three floods, had a pandemic that shut down the church building for a year and a half. We've had people get sick. We've had staff members die. We've had, uh, we've had a, 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 so, a racial implosion in our country, a social implosion in our country. We've had political upheaval. We've had the ocean on fire. Come on, somebody. We have volcanoes blowing up all over the world. We've got hurricanes and floods. But here's the truth. I have to be willing to say I'm living my best life with Jesus now, too. But my soul doesn't want to say it. There are times I wake up in the morning and I go, I hate my life right now. Oh, I'm just the only one in the room. I have to be able to say I am living my best life in this season with Jesus now. If I don't, I'm living on recency bias. God is only as good as the goodness I feel today. See, we don't need recency bias. We need eternity bias. An unmovable view that my life is held in the hand of an eternal God who works for my good through seasons. Yup, even seasons of mourning, even seasons of crying, even seasons of lack, because it's only a season. Sometimes I think the most difficult thing is when we feel like we haven't done anything wrong in that season. When we don't feel like we deserve being rejected or in the position that we're in. Sometimes that's the hardest thing. When I'm like, God, what did I do wrong? And he says, nothing. And then I go, well, why am I here? Anybody? Then why am I here? Mm. Then I have to remember Hagar. Do you remember the story of Hagar in Genesis 16? She's the servant of Sarah who was married to Abraham and they were unable to have a baby although it was prophesied they were going to have a baby they were unable to have a baby so Sarah forces her servant Hagar 
to sleep with her husband. Forces her. She gets pregnant. Then Sarah gets upset for the situation, kicks her out, rejects her. The Bible says Hagar is wandering around in the wilderness, not knowing what to do, where to go. She must have felt overlooked. She must have felt rejected by God. What did I do wrong? I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't put myself in this position, God. Why is this happening to me? And I love verse 13. Verse 13 shows up, and he says, because I am El Rohi. I am the God who sees you. Everything changes. In a moment, everything changes. I want you to know, you may not have picked the situation, but I have picked you in the midst of the situation. You may seem overlooked, but I see you. I chose you. I picked you. That's the reality for you and I, my friends. We are chosen by God. That's what the Word tells us. Our God is faithful, and He never stops seeing us. We have been adopted by a loving God who wants us to experience that kind of love that we've never known before. That's why Romans 8.28 says, I will work all things out together for your good because of my love. But sometimes in our heart we cry out, sure doesn't feel like love. I guarantee you justice did not be like, yeah, this feels like love. Getting passed over again. Thanks, God, for the public overlooking. Sure doesn't feel like love. But here's the issue. The issue is that even the very best example of love that we have ever personally experienced outside of the love of God is tainted love. Dun, 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 tainted love. Yeah, I knew you were thinking it. Dun, dun, dun. I've got to uh, uh, get away. It's tainted love. The best intimacy you've ever had, still tainted love. The best parental love you've ever given or experienced, tainted love. The best moment where you've ever confronted somebody or love or been confronted in love and it went great, still tainted love. It's all tainted love. How do I know this? Because 1 Corinthians 13, 9, which is talking about love, Paul says, you, we now know in part, we prophesy in Part, but there will be a time later on when we fully know. So right now, the way that we still love is still, see love is still through a broken filter. It's still only partly visible in our lives. That's why we can't understand how God can leave us in this situation and still love us. How do bad things happen to good people? And God says he loves us. Because our filter of love is tainted love there's this amazing moment in Luke chapter 8 where this woman who has an issue with blood she has a feminine issue that for 12 years she couldn't cure she's gone to every doctor possible she spent all of her money and she's left with nothing Finally, you may know the story, she, 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 she walks through the crowd, which is in and of itself a victory, because that issue in her life made her unclean. That means that she was rejected by everyone in the social circles. She was unseen, no one would look at her, no one would touch her, no one would have a conversation with her. She was outside, rejected, and overlooked. She said, I don't care what I'm going to have to do. She goes through the crowd, the Bible says, she bends down and she touches the hem of Jesus' garment, and in that moment, she is is healed amazing story but there's something deeper we've got to understand what actually is going on at that moment 
What she grabs a hold of is not just the hem of his garment. What she grabs a hold of is the tzitzit. The tzitzit are the knotted tassels at the bottom of every four-cornered robe that a, that a rabbi or a teacher would wear. And the reason that those tzitzit were there is because if you remember when God told the spies to go in, they came back with a negative report. They saw the giants and said, we can't do it. We can't do it. God has forsaken us. We're overlooked. There's no possibility in our life for a breakthrough. And God said, wear those tzitzit on your robes so that when people see them, they can remember who I am. In that moment, she needed not remember who she was. She needed to remember who God was. When you and I are feeling overlooked uh, and rejected, not chosen on the outside looking in, we need to get down on our knees in worship and crawl to the master, not to remember who we are, but to remember who he is. That's the beautiful thing about being a man or woman of God because Christianity is not about who you are. Christianity is about who he is. Religion is about who we are. Christianity is about who he is. So sometimes we have to go through our unclean season. Come on, somebody. So that we remember it ain't about us, it's about him. But when we reflect on tainted love, think about this. Was it just at that moment when she touched the hem of his garment that God realized, I love this woman? Did he not love her throughout those 12 years when she went to the doctor and everyone else got healed and she didn't? Or maybe was it he was working out everything for her good in those years so that she would always be a part of Jesus' story so that she'd always know his acceptance, so that she would always know that those 12 years of rejection did not define her in God's eyes. Was that healing of her body the most important thing that happened to her on that day, or was the encounter with Jesus that changed her life and her eternity the most valuable thing? Even in his love, we have 12 years. You may be in year 10. He hasn't changed and he hasn't stopped loving you. The truth is, she, had, she may have been rejected by others, but she was not rejected by Jesus. As a matter of fact, he didn't simply accept her. He took her rejection into himself. Isaiah 53 says, the Messianic verse about Jesus hanging on the cross the Bible says he was a man rejected. Not only did he take our sin and our iniquity and our hell inside of us, he took his rejection inside of himself. See, we come to him rejected, but we leave from him accepted in Jesus Christ. It cannot change in what season I'm in. I could be in winter and nothing's growing. I'm accepted in Jesus. I could be in the fall where everything that once was living and vibrant is dying and drying up and falling out and that relationship's gone and that friend ghosted me and that budget fall went, went and went in the ground and that promotion I thought I was going to get fell down like a dead leaf. I may be in fall, but my God loves me. I'm accepted in Jesus Christ. Even if my situation hasn't changed yet. 
Can we agree that Jesus knew something about being rejected? His own people, who he came for, rejected him. There's a time, if you read the gospel, when his own family thinks he's lost it. They're like, uh, we're gonna, we need to take him home. He needs a little help. The religious community rejected him. He was backstabbed and betrayed by two of his closest friends. In Jesus, even in his seemingly, in Jesus seemingly lost in his casting of lots moment, just like justice. Do you remember Jesus had a casting of lot moment just like justice did when he was on the cross? The Bible says when he's on the cross, he is in pain, he is suffering, he's going through hell. The Roman soldiers are down there casting lots for his clothes, for the things that identified him, for the things that gave him dignity. He's in the midst of the season where he's in pain, where he actually says, why did you forget about me, God? Why have you abandoned me, Father? This place of feeling on the outside, he's looking at everyone who is mocking him, who he gave his life for, rejecting him. And in that moment, he chooses to trust the Father. And he says these words, into your hands I commit my spirit. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going on. I don't know how, how this pain's going to stop. But I know this, you are trustworthy and you are faithful. So Father, I commit my life to you. And three days later, the resurrection changed everything. And the resurrection should change everything for you and I as well. Because no matter what we go through, no matter how much crosses, crosses we've got to carry, no matter how much pain we have to go through, no matter how dark the season that we're in, you may be in a season where nothing seems to be moving and it's Saturday and there's no hope and the stone's still there and the people are still gone and no one has come to your aid and yet God is moving, is moving behind the scenes to move the stone. The resurrection changes everything because it shows that God is faithful even when we are disloyal. Psalm 27 verse 10 says, Though my father and mother forsake me, my God will receive me. Psalm 94, some of you, for some of you, that's a really personal moment. For some of us, we need to get that inside of us. Because some of us know that pain in reality. Not in theology, in reality. Psalm 94, verse 14 says, The Lord will never reject his people. He'll never forsake his inheritance. Never means never. Hebrews 13, 5 says, For he himself has said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And if God is for us, my friends, who can be against us? I think the reality is, Maybe if I was justice, it might have been easier for me to accept what had happened to me if I saw that Matthias was going out there and planting 30 churches. Matthias went out there and like wrote half the Bible, did un unbelievable miracles. Maybe then you could say, all right, God, I get it. Cool. I understand. But do you know the hardest part about all this? Neither one of these men is written ever about in Scripture ever again. Never again. Now, I know tradition tells us that they both went out and preached the gospel. They both became bishops. They both died martyrs' deaths. But we don't know that because it's not in the Scripture. See, justice may have never understood on this side of the veil why God chose Matthias 
and not him. But the moment he steps onto the other side of the veil and sees my king face to face, he fully will understand God's plan for his life. That's why David, I love this, and we're going to end in a second. Chris, can you come really quick? When David is in that cave, he writes this psalm. He says, my soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down among fiery beasts. The children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp as swords, they surround me. Yet be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Yet. We used to sing that song. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Daddy, here's my real life. I'm surrounded by these young lions that are trying to kill me. They're talking bad about me. They're writing things about me. They're trying to kill me. They're backstabbing me. I don't know where to turn. But be exalted anyway, God. Because I choose not to live connected to those who reject me. I choose to live connected to the one who accepts me. I wonder today how justice left that worship service on that morning. Did it leave dejected? Maybe with a smile on his face on the outside, but disillusionment in his heart on the inside? Did his wife have to wipe away the tears from his eyes later on that night? Did they plan on leaving that church, finding another assembly that will recognize my gifts? and my talent, and how worth it I am? Or maybe did he pray for Matthias? Maybe did he lay down his pride and help him advance the kingdom? Choose to say, it doesn't matter to me because it's all about Jesus anyway. Or did he quietly and slowly just disappear and ghost on God and church? We'll never know how justice responded when feeling rejected and overlooked. But we get to answer how we will respond every time we feel like justice. I don't know how he responded. And how he responded doesn't really matter. But you and I get to decide. Every time we feel overlooked, disillusioned, Rejected, not chosen, somebody didn't say hi, someone didn't do this, someone did that. Will I live in the recency bias of my circumstance or live in the eternal bias of a God who will never leave me and never forsake me? And thank God he is not loyal but he is faithful.
even when we're faithless. Be exalted. Come on, someone. Be exalted, oh God. Can you just close your eyes with me for a moment? Just maybe that's the thing you need to be exalted, oh God. Be exalted, oh God. Just say it with just you and God. Be exalted, oh God. Be exalted above the nations. Be exalted above the heavens. Be exalted. Just tell God that he's exalted above your circumstance. Just say, God, you're exalted above all things. There's power of life and death is in your tongue, the Bible says. There's power of life and death is in your tongue. You don't need to be silent. This is, this, is, this is the safest place ever on the planet inside the house of God. Because in this place is where we get to repent, where we get to say, God, I'm sorry I cut off the robe of our relationship. I'm sorry, Lord God, that I, I re- retaliated rather than repented, Lord God. I'm sorry, Lord God, that I've had a recency bias and I, and I, and I view your goodness off of this goodness of my circumstance. God, I love you. God, forgive me. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory shine over all the earth. There is a response to rejection. And it is connection to the king. There's an answer to the response of rejection. And it is connection to the king remember who he is remember remember father today I praise you I give you the glory and the honor and the power and the praise I thank you for every man and woman in this place every person that's online today daddy I know that we have faced rejection sometimes very painfully and I know that we will face it again in our life so where we've lessened the standard forgive us where we've ghosted on you forgive us where distrust towards you has risen because the situation has not changed yet Forgive us. Today we're saying to our soul to rise up and bless the Lord. The battle is the Lord's. Jesus, your name is above every name, every power, every authority, seen and unseen. There's nothing seen, unseen, imagined or or, or possible that you are not greater than. So my king, come and move. Be exalted, my God, above the heavens. Be exalted above all the earth. Be exalted in our lives above the heavens. Be exalted in our thinking above the earth. Be exalted in our mouth in in the heavens, Lord God. Be exalted with our life above the earth. Be exalted. Be exalted. Be exalted. Rejection, you have no power here. We stand chosen by the king. We may be in a cave, but it will not define us. It will only refine us so that we become the men and women that our king created us to be. We love you and we praise you. We trust that you're working all things together for good and you're making all things beautiful in its time. In Jesus' name.
If you agree with that, can you say amen? And amen, 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 and amen. Woo! Hey, I'm going to have the worship team come back up real quick. We're going to end service by singing that last song that we sang today. Because today is a message that's heavy, although it should be freeing. Because none of us like to remember the times that we feel overlooked or rejected. We don't like to feel the times or be reminded of the times that we may have cut the robe off, lessened the standard, been the woman at the well. But it all comes back to the name of Jesus. Christianity is not about you. It's about Him. And our soul often lies. And the enemy is a liar. And he will persuade you to believe that your recent situation defines your spiritual station. And you are a man or woman chosen by the King adopted by a father who loves you you are an heir of the kingdom of heaven itself he has placed his holy spirit inside of you and given you the power to be his witnesses in jerusalem judea samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world he has written a new name on your life that only he knows and in his, your hand he has placed a white stone his acceptance for now and forevermore and he will be faithful to you because he cannot deny himself Today, we need to rise up and like the woman and the issue of blood, begin to worship him and reach out and grab the hem of his, of his being and remember who he is. There may be giants in the land, and they are, but they are not bigger than my God. They are not bigger than my God. So worship team, come on up. Come on, guys. Why don't we stand? Why don't we stand? And as they're coming, I just want to encourage you. As you get ready to leave today, after we worship, can I encourage you? Part of worship is giving to God. Part of trusting Him is giving to Him. Part of this whole thing is being able to carry each other, carry the tribe, carry the people that we've been talking about, actually comes with this. Because this is real. Real people need food. Real people need help. Real people need to feel the love of God. And do you know what Solomon says in all of his wisdom? Solomon actually says this. The answer for everything, money. Money is not evil. It's when we love it more than God that's evil. It's just a moment to worship. So you can give with these envelopes. You can drop them in those gold kiosks around the room. You can give online with that QR code. But I just wanted to encourage you. As we give with worship with our words, to give with worship with our life, to hold nothing back. Every victory is Jesus's. Do you believe that? Amen. Come on, let's sing.
there's one name that's greater to the giants in my way there's one name that's higher to the evil that prevails there's one name that's greater there's one name that's greater jesus for the name of
Order our footsteps as you order the footsteps of the righteous. Fill us with your spirit that your fruit may grow and your power may move. That lives may be changed starting with our own. That we will learn to humbly bow our knee while letting our tongue proclaim there is no God like our God. We will give you the glory. We choose to give you the honor, the power, and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you, church. I'll see you next.